today's Christian Questions. Nelson Mandela once said, One of the things I learned when I was negotiating was that until I changed myself, I could not change others. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And folks, we're truly glad you've chosen to spend some time with us on this beautiful Sunday morning. Good morning, Jonathan. What's up? Good morning, Rick. Our question for this morning is, why Cornelius? Why a soldier? Part 2. And our theme text is found in Acts chapter 10, verse 22. They said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message from you. And Jonathan, I'm sure you recall a few weeks ago, we began to tell the story of the dramatic events that led up to the conversion of the centurion Cornelius to Christianity. Yes, I remember. Because the expansion of Christianity to the Gentiles was such a radical shift in God's methods, and I'm talking radical here. Absolutely. It was completely, completely different than anything in, in, in recorded history up to that point. Because of that, radical measures had to be taken. So today we want to finish the story and see how its conclusion would change the history of the Christian faith by the inclusion of you and I. I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. You're right. You're right. Because of Cornelius, you and I have an opportunity we would have never had otherwise. Exactly. So, and oh, because of Cornelius, because of God's plan. Mm-hmm. Cornelius had to happen to be the guy. He did. When you talk about, you know, who's the man, Cornelius was the man. Okay. <clears throat> so, and he was a soldier. How unique was that? And, and, and why would God pick a soldier to be the first Gentile convert? Yeah. To, you'd think you'd pick the most passive, you know, uh, uh, love, outwardly loving Gentile you can find. Right. But no, he picks a hardened soldier. Why? And we'll, we'll get into that as we go through our program. So, so Jonathan, let's dig right into this. Uh, we're going to be talking about, there, there, there's an underlying theme here of change. Sometimes things have to change. And, and what do you do to prepare yourself for such changes? So we're going to drop right in on a uh, TED Talk uh, from Tom Cummings. And we're going to be referring back to this TED Talk throughout the program. It's really, really well done in, in organizing and understanding what do you do when your landscape changes? What do you do when the, the world around you changes? How do you, uh, you recognize and adjust to it? So let's get started sort of with an introduction. Ted Tumming, uh, Ted. Tom Cummings from a TED Talk. Try to say that five <laughs> times fast, I tell you. Okay, let's go for it. How many of you like to be changed? <laughs> That's not so easy. Not so easy. How many of you have ever had the experience in your life where suddenly everything changed and nothing was quite the same? That you were barreling along doing what you thought you should be doing, that everything was going really well, 
And then all of a sudden, the landscape shifted. Things then were completely different. You didn't have a map. Sounds like what the Apostle Peter went through. Absolutely. And, 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 I, and I like the, the first comment that, he, that, that we picked up on that sound, but how many of you like to be changed? Nobody likes to be changed. We like to change when we decide we're good and ready to change. You're right. Not You're a right. moment before <laughs> and not in a way we don't like. That's right. <laughs> but here, in this particular experience with Cornelius and Peter, both of them had to, to go through dramatic changes that were put upon them, especially the Apostle Peter. And we want to track how he managed that particular change. So to get started, Jonathan, let's do a quick review of some of the things we, we talked about uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, just let, let's look into Cornelius first. What about Cornelius? Acts chapter 10 gives us four very clear, very descript, descriptive traits of Cornelius the individual. Acts 10, 1 and 2. In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort as it was called. He was a devout man who feared God, or revered God, with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. So there's four things. He was a devout man. Mm -hmm. He had great reverence for God. He and all of his household. Uh, he gave alms generously to the people. He was very charitable. Yep, yep. And he prayed constantly to God. Wow, but this is a Gentile. Right. So He's, he's not in a relationship with God right. because he, he's not Jewish. He's on the outside looking in. Wow. But he, he is obviously loves the, the, the Jewish people and what they stand for at that time. Uh, and he follows along with them, supports them, and he prays to Jehovah God uh, as a result of that. So he's a very unusual guy. Absolutely. And, you know, why Cornelius? Well, look at those characteristics. <laughs> That's amazing. And you, and you get a sense of as, as to why Cornelius. So, so now... How does God move Cornelius? He's a Gentile, and he's therefore outside of God's favor. So how do you get his attention enough to get him to do something completely radical? Well, what you need to do is you need to let him know that he's been noticed and he's, he's being blessed. That makes sense. So how do you do that? Well, let's see. Acts chapter, three, uh, chapter 10, uh, verses 3 and 4. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius. And fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Can you imagine this Gentile, this Roman soldier who was very devoted to God? I don't know for how many years, but probably many years, without any, without any outward reciprocation to that devotion. He, you know, he never sees anything that that uh, that comes his way that says you know hey God is here or and, I hear your prayers right Cornelius. right nothing but here you have this angel that comes to him and basically says to him your prayers and your charity have ascended as a memorial before God God recognizes you he appreciates yeah that's you. amazing that is that's amazing so you get his attention. Okay. Yeah, and <laughs> for sure. So you, you've got his attention, and then you have to instruct him, and then you watch to see what he's going to do. So Acts chapter 10, verses 7 and 8, we're continuing uh, in, in, with this vision from the angel. When the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants, and after he had explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So the angel 
told him to do that. He told him to go send send messengers to to Joppa, and he told him to go specifically to Simon the Tanner's house. Well, what are these three individuals going to think? You you did what? You saw an angel. You talked to an angel. I mean, what do you think <laughs> they're thinking? Well, and the interesting <laughs> thing is when the head of a household spoke, everybody in the household listened. Ah. And he was a centurion. So the soldier that he sent was there because he was a centurion to help him with his personal life. So he wasn't ab- abusing the privilege of that soldier. He was actually using that soldier the way he was meant to be used. But he commanded the soldier, and the soldier had to respond to the command. If he believed it or not. <laughs> right, right. So they had to go and and, and do what, it, what Cornelius had told them to do. So they go. So, meanwhile, back at the ranch, (laughs) meanwhile, back at Simon the Tanner's house, what's going on? Because that's where these three representatives of Cornelius are going because the angel told him to send representatives to to go summon Simon Peter. So we go to the the house of Simon the Tanner. Too many Simons. It's too difficult. Uh, Acts 10, verses 9 through 16. On the next day, as they were on their way and approaching the city... Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, but he became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance, and he saw the sky open up and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. And there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. A voice came to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. Again, a voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. This happened three times, and immediately the object was taken up into the sky. So now on the next day, this is literally while the representatives of Cornelius are on their way to Simon the Tanner's house. Okay. The Apostle Peter has this vision, and it's a dramatic vision, and it's telling him to do something that was ceremonially unclean, telling him to do something that he never would have dreamed of doing in his entire existence, nor would his father or his grandfather or his great-grandfather or his great-great-grandfather. It's telling him to eat unclean animals. That's unheard of. That goes against the law. It goes against everything that the law ever seemed to have stood for. And God says, now, it it happens three times because Peter's arguing with the vision. Three has a lot to do with Peter, doesn't it? Yeah, and there's no no accident that three representatives came to see him. But but (laughs) in this argument, the, the, the point is what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. That's the message. Paradigm shift. Right. Big time. So now Peter's got to work through this thing. He's got to think through this thing. He's got to, got to work on it. So as he's thinking, and no doubt praying about this, while he's thinking, the answer arrives. We go to Acts 10. Now let's go to the next couple of verses, 17 and 18. And we're just, this is a review of, of, of the events leading up to Peter and Cornelius eventually meeting. Now while Peter was greatly puzzled about what to make of the vision that he had seen, suddenly the men sent by Cornelius appeared. They were asking for Simon's house and were standing by the gate. They called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was staying there. So once again, it comes down to precise timing. The precise timing of God in unfolding his plan, which would bring clarity at the proper time. Peter is allowed to struggle and to think about this thing. It says, while he was greatly puzzled. 
So that's not just a, a quick moment of, huh, that was odd. No. This is a, what the He heck? was thinking this through. How could this possibly be? What God is, is unclean animals, I'm supposed to eat on I can't even, but God said in the vision, I can't argue with the vision, but I can't argue with the law. What am I supposed to do? Right. You know, he's, he's puzzling and puzzling over this thing. It reminds me of the Grinch. That he puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. That's <laughs> probably the same thing that happened to, to the apostle here. Um, so Peter, he's allowed to struggle with this revelation and uh, helping it sink in to help him absorb the radical change which is about to take place. So there's this radical change, and he has to be prepared to deliver it. Cornelius has to be prepared to accept it, and the two of them have to be prepared to live up to it. And Rick, and now answers were arriving. Yes, literally in the person of these three representatives. Out front by the gate. Right, right. They just sort of appeared over the horizon. It is almost like a movie. You know, <laughs> th- that's the way a big dramatic movie sure. you're, you're working on it, that suddenly the answer appears. Well, sometimes truth is, is more dramatic than fiction. Uh, let, let's, <laughs> let's go back to, real quickly here, Tom Cummings with this uh, TED Talk about what to do when your landscape changes. He's going to introduce four things to do when, when, when life around you changes and you're, you have to adapt. I think there are about four different things that we can pay attention to. Yeah? Only four. Can you remember four things? Should be easy, right? Okay. So the first one that's pretty straightforward when something happens to you is, is pause. Right? Just Stop, pause, then connect, then reflect, then reframe. Now, those each have specific meanings for me, and I'll say a little bit about that. And we're going to get into those four things, and we're going to see how those four things really had to play a part in this particular story. Pause, connect, reflect, and then reframe. So it's about change, and it's about the greatest change in the history of Christianity with the Apostle Peter introducing Gentile Christians into Christianity. A dramatic, radical paradigm shift. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Why Cornelius? Why a Soldier? Part 2. Coming up, how does Peter react when he meets the Roman strangers who want to take him away? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Why Cornelius? Why a Soldier? Part 2. To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. Or you can message us on your app. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, messaging on your app is actually really easy. You go to the Christian Questions app. There's a little, uh, the little envelope thing, the little message icon on the right-hand side. You just click on it. A little message box comes up. You, 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 you tap it. The typewriter thing comes up. You type in your message. You tap your message box again and hit OK. And boom. <laughs> there it is. Boom. Boom. It, it doesn't say boom, but it really means it. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> so, folks, we'd love to hear from you uh, via phone call or via message through your Christian Questions app, which is a free app for your smartphone. So, so Jonathan, let's get back to our story here. Um, first, let's go back to Tom Cummings with the TED Talk on what do you do when your landscape changes. Remember, at the la- end of the last segment, he said there's four things. That's right. Pause, connect, reflect, and refrain. Okay, so let's go through what does he mean by pause. So, Fred, let's go to this uh, next soundbite. When we talk about pausing, it seems kind of absurd that in the middle of a crash, we're pausing, right? It's completely counterintuitive. We're all taught fight or flight or freeze, right? That's what the psychologists say. Well, I think in our repertoire, we can find this moment of pause where we simply breathe, where we simply say, take it all in, breathe. Okay, so pause. You've got to take it all in. And, and that fits so well with what the Apostle Peter had to do. As a matter of fact... It's not react right. and go crazy. Oh, no, right. change, change. What's going on here? Right. It's pause. Take a moment and breathe. The very next scripture exactly fits that description. While Peter was reflecting on the vision... See? He, was re- he paused. The Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. But get up, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgivings. For I have sent them myself. So God's power, God's influence speaks to Peter and says, I know you're thinking about this. It just so happens I sent these three to you. Don't worry about it. Go talk to them. Don't have any suspicion here. Because one of them is a Roman soldier, for goodness sakes. <laughs> you know, you'd think you'd have suspicion. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Right. <laughs> so, so you've got yet more precise timing and more reassurance here. God's spirit communicates with Peter. Remember the three-part command in the, in the vision? That's right. It was rise, kill, and eat. And how many times was it given? Three times. <laughs> All right. So you have three men are here to see you. A three-part command, arise, get off the roof, and go to them. So another part, another, another three parts. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Go, go with them and don't worry about a thing. Don't doubt anything. So... Jonathan, we haven't even had the experience yet, and here we have some of the most profound lessons of these remarkable events for both Cornelius and Peter. They've not yet even met, nor has the main purpose of their visions come to pass, yet both were given a profound insight into God's care, his foresight, his timing, and his plan. Mm. So they were really thoroughly prepared for what was about to happen. Yes, and, and, and it's like when you know, you're talking about a centurion and you're talking about a military individual, the preparation for a military exercise is immense. If you're going to go out on a mission, the preparation that military men go through, men and women go through. It's drilled into you. Right. And it's the same thing here. Spiritually, they had to be thoroughly prepared for what was about to happen. And it's, this is reassuring, because, because God knows and executes his plan, his promises and care are never short. These are, these are the personal lessons we can draw from this portion. Isaiah 65, 23-24. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. And it's interesting, we, when you look at a promise like that, and you look at what the Apostle Peter was doing, he, wasn't, he was trying to work this vision out in his own head. He wasn't saying, you know, God, help me figure this out. He's saying, okay, let me, let me get this in order. And so before he even got to the point of, you know, the, of the Scripture telling us, he's saying, you know, God, help me, God gives him the answer. Yeah, 
That's great. So you get that sense, and and that is the kind of promise, that's the kind of care that our God has for us. Folks, if you have a thought, we're talking about the conversion of Cornelius the centurion, the Roman centurion, to Christianity as being the first Christian uh, coming from Gentile background. We'd love to hear from you at 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central, and that means we're on right now. Christian Questions, a weekly habit that's good for you. Thanks for tuning us in every Sunday morning. Join our conversation any day and time at ChristianQuestions.com. And if you're a little shy about calling on the phone, we'd rather have you call on the phone, but if you're a little shy about that or you can't, uh, you know, can't get, I don't know, <laughs> use the app. And message us through the Christian Questions app, and we'll try and get your comments uh, on the air. So, Jonathan, we know that God's care is overwhelming. The second part, there's, there's I think, a, a three-part interesting, it's a three-part lesson here <laughs> in terms of personal application. He guides and teaches those who truly rely upon him. So, so God's presence to guide and teach is always going to be there if you truly, truly, truly rely on him. And the Apostle Peter did. Yeah, but you need humility to receive uh, that direction, don't you? Right, otherwise you're relying on yourself. Exactly. So, exactly. Psalm 25.9 is a good scripture on that, on that point. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. So humility, you can't truly rely on God without humility. Because the two don't mix. You know, the proud of heart obviously is relying on, on, on himself, uh, yeah. not on God Almighty. And they would be running ahead of God with their own ideas and their own plans. Yeah, because I know. <laughs> I mean, you know like, hey, I know. And, and that's a sad, sad uh, mistake. And, and that's why the Apostle Peter was chosen for this mission. That's why Cornelius was chosen for this mission. Because both of them had that humility to accept God first. And we're going to see that unfold beautifully we are. As, as, this, as this story continues. The third part. So we know that the first part of the personal lessons, because God knows and executes his plan, his promises and care are never short. Second part, he guides and teaches those who truly rely upon him. And what's the third part? He pays close attention to those who seek him. And How about Cornelius? He was seeking him. He was. Even though he, he was out of a relationship with God because right. he wasn't Jewish. And at the right time, though, and, and it's always God's timing, not Ab- mine. Absolutely. And don't we want the answer to whatever it is that bothers us right now? Oh, yeah. Because we need it right now. It's like a little child, you know? The, the child, you know, go, you go to the store, you bring your, your, your child with you, and they see something, and they want it, ooh, ooh, ooh. and they need it. <laughs> I gotta have it. Yeah. But Usually as, animal crackers for yeah, me yeah. when I was a kid. <laughs> right. Jonathan, think bigger, man. <laughs> we're talking kid here. <laughs> animal crackers were good, actually. They were. We used to get to eat them while we're in the in the grocery store, you know, while you're sitting in the carriage. <gasps> you didn't. Yeah. Before paying for well, that? Well, but you know, you, you show them the box and you pay for it at the end, okay. but it's what my mom would do. And he, anyway, we digress. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now you got me going. Um so, Psalm 32, 8, God pays close attention to those who seek him. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with mine eye upon you. What a, when you think of the imagery in that scripture, it's really, really dramatic and it's very, very encouraging. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I will be watching you and give you counsel because of what I see. That's God speaking to us. 
What yep. a, that's an amazing promise. It is. It's powerful, powerful, powerful promise, and we can see it come to fruition in the experience of the Apostle Peter dealing with uh, Cornelius. Well, they haven't even dealt with each other yet, and yet we're seeing all of these amazing things. Exactly. Let's go back to Tom Cummings, the TED Talk about what to do when your landscape changes. And this is a little bit of a longer soundbite. He's talking about pause, you know, the first of the four elements. And he tells a story about he and his teenage daughter, which and it's a little bit of a long soundbite, but it's a great story to just illustrate the, the, the importance of the pause. I once had this moment when I was going to get really angry at my daughter, um, teenager. Any of you have teenagers? Yeah? Any of you? Well, you look like teenagers. What am I talking about? This is. <laughs> any of you ever been a teenager? I can ask that. Yeah, good. Okay. So we know what happens, right? All kinds of things happening. And, and, and Nadine saw that I was going to get really angry at her, at her. She provoked something in me. And at that moment, just as I was about to hold forth, she said, stop. And I was shocked. I, I kind of wheeled back and, 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 and I said, what? And she said, I know what you're going to do. I've seen it before. First, you're going to get really angry at me. And then you're going to feel really bad about yourself. <laughs> and then you're going to apologize to me. She said, go straight to the apology. <laughs> I did exactly what you just did. I just started laughing. <laughs> that pause shifted me out of my thinking and made me think, wait, maybe there's something else that I could be doing at this moment. So, so that, that's, that's the pause, if you think about that. <laughs> that's a great story. That is. <laughs> and, but it illustrates, you know, sometimes the reaction is not the proper response. And you need that pause to be able to put the reaction in, in place so the response is, is appropriate. And in the Old Testament, in a lot of the Psalms, it says selah at the end of different phrases. And that word selah means pause and consider. Right. There's something here that you need to really look at because God is giving you a direct message. And it, it, it's literally, it's take a breath. Yes. Just take a breath. And and. Sometimes, for me, Jonathan, because my brain works so fast, it's hard for me to take a breath. Mm. And I have to constantly remind myself, hey, relax. Breathe and think, then proceed. The Apostle Peter went through exactly that. He had this incredible vision which made no sense. It was radical. It was different. And he was basically breathing and thinking it through. God communicates with him and says, okay, these three men are coming to see you. So don't worry about a thing. I know they're not what you expect. Just trust me on this one. Okay? So what happens? Acts chapter 10, verses 21 and 22. Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for which you have come? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message. From you, Okay, and it, it is actually a message of salvation from you, because we know that, because in Acts 11.14, the next chapter when, when uh, Peter is recounting the story, he adds that in his recounting. How about that? So, good, very you know, good. So it's interesting, because these, these, these men, they come, they're representing Cornelius a centurion. You know, and when you mm -hmm. say that, Cornelius the centurion, you go, like you said before, oh boy, what did I do? Yep. But then they, they describe him, a righteous and God-fearing man, 
well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews. So he, he is loved by the Jewish nation. And he was divinely directed... By an angel? To Peter, come to what, send for you. What, what happened in Peter's brain right <laughs> yeah, there? Yeah. You, what? <laughs> a Gentile? So, so they, th- there's great wisdom in their representation of him. They, oh, they're they, direct, aren't right, they? They accurately describe him and the message that he was given, and they are imminently, imminently respectful of Peter. I mean, they're very, very respectful. He is requesting your presence, sir. It's, it's kind of like they're, mm. they're, they're presenting themselves to him. They're true messengers. They're not <coughs> adding or subtracting anything. They didn't say, Cornelius said, he was visited by an angel, can you believe it? But we're supposed to bring you to the house. So just come with us, all right? There's none of that. There's, 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 there's that straightforward, soldier-like delivery of the message. So you've got that. Now what happens? Acts 10, verse 23. So he invited them in and gave them lodging. And on the next day he got up and went away with them. And some of the brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So it's, it's a, a long way. It was probably it was, it was a little bit later in the, in the afternoon perhaps. And so, so there's something really uh, unusual going on here. Uh, Gentiles coming into your home to stay? Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's not supposed to happen, is it? So, so you've got Romans going to seek out a Jewish Christian. Yeah. It's Peter. He hears their story and immediately, without thought, says, okay, you can stay. I'm sure he talked to Simon the Tanner because it was Simon the Tanner's house. <laughs> hey, by the way, we have company. And Simon <laughs> Three the, Gentiles. Right, right, yeah. Go, go, go figure. Three Gentiles are here to, you know, uh, as, as company. And you think, well, wait, wait, wait. Doesn't that just sound like all off for what's been? Yeah. Yeah. But Peter is, is, is breaking new ground. And he's fearlessly breaking new ground because he sees God's hand in it. Exactly. And what a powerful lesson. When you see God's hand in the new ground that's to be broken, break the new ground. Don't hesitate move forward. So both parties react with great confidence and anticipation at this meeting, for everybody knows that the answer to the visions and the future are all before them. All they have to do, they have to stay obedient. They have to stay obedient to what's been given them. And just quick commentary, uh, Jonathan, from uh, Barnes on this. And lodged them. They remained with him there that night. Four days were occupied before Peter met Cornelius of Caesarea. On the first the angel appeared to Cornelius. On the second, the messengers arrived at Joppa. On the third, Peter returned with them. And on the fourth, they arrived at Caesarea. So this is a, a four-day transaction. It takes a while to happen from the first angelic visit to the actual meeting. And, you know, Jonathan, we're going through this story, and there's so much detail in the preparation part. And this is part of the preparation. And you see Peter's heart is exactly in the right place by entertaining these uh, these, sen- the, the, these these Romans, the soldier and the two servants of the centurion, overnight in the house of a Jew. How dra- dramatic is that? This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, why Cornelius, why a soldier, part two. Coming up, so what was Cornelius doing these past few days since he sent three men to bring back Peter? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Why Cornelius? Why a Soldier? Part 2. 
to be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL or message us on your app. And we're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. And that means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And don't forget, you can uh, go to our Facebook page at ChristianQuestions.com. And you can tweet us at CQNet Radio. And Rick, this is a great program to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. Especially because it's a two-part program, because once you sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition, it's a free service uh, at ChristianQuestions.com or uh, through your app. Uh, once you sign up, you can get all of the previous rewinds. Excellent. So you can get the two of them, you put them together, and you got this whole story of all the preparation, all of the pre-work that God does to prepare these two individuals for the most dramatic change in the history of, of spirituality. Wow. Opening the door for the Gentiles to become Christians. So This really, is powerful. Yeah, so CQ Rewind, the full edition, it's a free service. Please, 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 if you don't have it already, uh, do sign up for it. So, so, Jonathan, we have all these things happening with the Apostle Peter. The three representatives of Cornelius come to Simon the Tanner's house. They tell Peter what's up. Peter puts them up overnight, and now they're journeying back. And it's like a 20-something mile journey between the two places. So well, it's going to take some time. It is, but what's Cornelius doing after all of this is going on. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Yeah, again. at the ranch. <laughs> all right, so what is Cornelius doing? He shows his heartfelt anticipation. Now, he knows that the Apostle Peter is going to come to his house. And he knows the Apostle Peter was one of the 12 chosen by Jesus. So he knows this. What does he do? Acts 10, 24 to 26. Has he got a couple of days? On the following day, he entered Caesarea... Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter raised him up saying, Stand up, I too am just a man. So observe the actions here. And Jonathan, to me, this is remarkable. When you, say the, when you ask the question, why Cornelius? Mm. This is why. Mm. This is why. Cornelius must have previously witnessed to God's goodness as expressed through the Jewish law, to his friends, to his, his, his household members, to his family. And now, um, he, he, he witnessed all of these, and now they were invited to his home. Even without outward proof of God's presence and blessing in his life, Cornelius was not detoured in his worship and praise, and his immediate response is humility. Yes. But he was vocal before this happened about the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. Because all of these people would not have come if it wasn't something that Cornelius wasn't so focused on previously. Absolutely. So he, he loved God from the outside in. He loved him with all of his heart, and he couldn't even keep it to himself. He had to share it with friends, relatives. You've right. got to come. Right, right. This is what happened to me. An angel visited me told me that my prayers were heard by the creator of the universe. Can you believe it? That same creator I've been telling you about all this time? Come. The Apostle Peter is going to be coming to, to, to see us. Wow. You, you need to be here for this. And look at the humility that yeah. he showed when Peter walked in that door. Yeah. He, he's going to fall down. Now, he's a Roman soldier. He's a centurion. Whoa. And he is willing to humble himself before Peter. And Peter's immediate reaction is, look, I'm just a man. I'm just like you. You know, stand up. Let you know. Let let let's let's do this the right way. So so Peter puts it in perspective immediately. Uh, let's go back to uh, Tom Cummings, the TED uh, talk on what to do when your landscape changes. Uh, remember, it was pause first, 
because there's four things. Right. The second point is to connect. So let's listen. Then connect. Now, this is also counterintuitive to connect, but quite often when we're in a surprise situation, what we want to do is we want to retreat, right? But connect in a particular way. We need to see the wider landscape that we're facing. So we need to get a bigger picture of what's going on, and connecting starts with noticing the surround. Really important to find that, that connect point and see that as, as an important step. But not only connect with the outside, but connect with others and connect with yourself. Right? This is what Robert Greenleaf called listening to the quiet voice inside of you. And connect. And that's exactly what the Apostle Peter was about to do. Not just with Cornelius, but with his household and his close friends. Accept this experience. Connect to it. So, and, and you have to observe the breadth of the experience, how big it is, mm. and then you can really truly connect in a much deeper way. So it's interesting how this, this, this TED Talk with these four things fits exactly the experiences that we're having. So it's teaching us how to absorb and deal with change. It really is, is, is remarkable. Uh, Jonathan, let's go to the phones. All right. Well, we have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Gentlemen, good morning. I love a Bible study. Well, good. You came to the right place. I, I love the story of Cornelius. Uh, anyhow, a couple of things. Number one, I uh, deduce from this uh, lesson that God is an equal opportunity employer. That's right. Number one. Number two, uh, I, I really uh, uh, reflect, I meditate upon this one of the most wonderful thoughts uh, for a Christian, I think, is uh, it might be First Samuel 2.30, I think it is, where it says, uh, God says, They that honor me, I will honor. And that's what Cornelius did. And uh, in my, in my uh, assessment, in my appraisal, there is no greater experience than to be honored by God. God bless. Thanks so much for your call. Bye-bye. And uh, Julius is right. When, when you put things in perspective, there is no greater, no greater privilege than to be uh, honored, to honor God and to be honored back. Wow. And, and Cornelius is about to enter. What a in. privilege. It, it, just, it is an amazing thing. It is an amazing thing. Julius, thanks uh, so much for the call. Uh, Jonathan, now, these, ne- next scripture, it, it, it refers to idolatrous Jews. It's an Old Testament text. But in principle... It applies in drawing them back to God, and I think the principle is applicable to drawing of Cornelius to God. Because when the idolatrous Jews were idolatrous, they had forgotten God and they were involved in pagan worship. They were off track. Right. And Cornelius was brought up off track. You're right. And he had to put what he was brought up with aside and come forward. Isaiah 30, 18-22. Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you. And therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for him. O people in Zion, inhabitants in Jerusalem, you will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. And again, you see the principle how it so beautifully fits Cornelius becoming to God from a place that was far away from God. So what this is showing us is that the magnitude of God's character shines. He wants us to long for him. Yes. And when you, again, when we ask the question, why Cornelius? Why a soldier? 
Cornelius loved God for a long time before he had an answer. Mm-hmm. In God's time, he answered. But that longing and the, the, the proof of Cornelius' love for God was evident because he didn't, he didn't falter in it. And sometimes, Rick, that longing for us in our lives is a struggle to find God. Right. It, it's, it's just your heartfelt wanting the Lord to lead you, to direct you, to show you that he's there. So don't give up. Right. In the midst of that struggle. Absolutely. Keep moving forward because a scripture like this therefore applies. So God shows us why we need him. And for Cornelius, the wait was time well devoted. <laughs> I like that. Okay, not time well spent. <laughs> it was time well devoted. There's a big difference There's between... devotion to God all right, those years. Right. There's a difference between spending our time and spinning our wheels mm. and devoting our time and, and enhancing our lives. There's a huge difference between those two things. So let's continue in Isaiah chapter 30. Let's pick up with verses uh, 20 to 22. Although the Lord has given you bread of privation and water of oppression, he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. That's exactly what you were saying. It's it's sometimes you're searching for, Mm -hmm. and in the midst of that searching, it's the bread of privation and and the water of oppression. Things are not going well in life. Right. So... But, but what do you do? Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left, you will defile your graven images overlaid with silver and your molten images plated with gold. You will scatter them as an impure thing and say to them, Be gone. And again, even though the scripture does not apply to Cornelius specifically, you can see this is the process that he had to have already gone through. He had already put all of those things away in his life, and now he was in that transition where he's, he's put the past aside, he's looking toward the future, but in the present, there's, there's, no, there's no clarity yet hmm. until the vision, or until the angel, rather, and now he's got the Apostle Peter in his living room. I don't know if he has a living room, <laughs> but you know what I mean. <laughs> so... So the, the end result of this is the abandonment of, of the gods of our lives and the embracing of the God of all life. That reminds me of the, the man that came to Jesus said, you know, I've done all these things in the law. You know, what more do I need to do yeah. to find salvation? And what was he told? He said, give away everything you have. Give it all to the poor and come and follow me. Because it might have been an idol to him. Right. And so you, you've got to sacrifice your interests to do God's will. So Cornelius had done those things. The Apostle Peter had already done those things. And now those two very honorable men meet. Peter, the Apostle Peter, shows his humility by keeping perspective. Remember, he already told Cornelius, look, don't don't worship me, I'm just a man. Let's continue with Acts 10, 27 to 29. As he talked with him, he entered and found many people assembled, and he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. So, so, <laughs> There's a room full yeah, so, of so Gentiles. This is a statement of fact that reveals the act of faith taking place. Because Peter is defying all of that once was true. Yeah. Okay. Remember that Peter housed Cornelius' servants the previous night. Peter's vision was truly having its effect. He was standing in the strength of the vision, even though it was something completely new. Wow, how uncomfortable, but God said, follow through. Because God showed him how to break new ground and yep. showed him it was okay, and, he, and so he's doing it with all force and all vigor 
with humility at the same time. So he says something, look, by the law, I'm really not even supposed to be here. But his next statement, Rick, is amazing. Okay. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That is why I came without even raising an objection when I was sent for. So I asked, for what reason have you sent for me? So his next statement is, but God showed me differently. God showed me differently, so I'm here. Now I'm asking you, why did you send for me? So he, Wow, he didn't take charge. No. He didn't go his own way. He, he asked. Right. Wow. Again, humility. The, bra- the ground has been broken, but there's a, a, a humble approach to making this all go to work. So, so Peter now sees clearly. The vision, remember, the vision was in triplicate. In threes, okay? yes. The unclean animals, the law, and the time for change, all at the command of God. He now understands that the import of the vision as being much more than that of eating meat that, had, that, that was unclean. Mm-hmm. Okay? Here, he has a large ready-made audience to witness the gospel, and, to, and yet he does not assume anything. Rather, he respectfully asks for direction. Wow. And, and, Jonathan, that is an amazing thing. When you think how impetuous the nature of Peter was, Yeah, <laughs> he, would, he would speak out of turn, he would speak up when he shouldn't, and, and you know, sometimes it was for good and sometimes it wasn't so good. His emotion would get the best of him at times. But here, he is humbly following the specific, precise direction of God treading on ground that no Jew has ever tread on before and being blessed by God in doing that. And he's saying to this audience, this Gentile, these, these unclean people, he's saying, God has told me that all men are acceptable in his sight. That's why I'm here. Now, tell me. You tell me why I'm here. I told you what God has told me. Now you tell me. In the second hour, we're going to hear what they say and how all of this works out to be the most dramatic conversion in all of history. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. Uh, We hope you can stay with us for the second hour. If you cannot, uh, please go to um, ChristianQuestions.com and check out the archive. And uh, we will be back after the news and all of that. So, Cornelius, a soldier, Peter, an apostle, Gentile, and Jew, both become Christian believers and brothers. Coming up after the news and all that, but till then... Think about it. This is Christian Questions. Somebody once said, anxiety is caused when we feel our world's changing. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) Go with it. Change the necessary nutrients. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, what's that topic that we have on uh, tap for this morning? Well, Rick, the question this morning is, why Cornelius? Why a soldier? Part 2. And our theme text is found in Acts chapter 10, verse 22. They said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel 
to send for you to come to his house and hear a message from you. So we have been talking about the pending conversion of Cornelius. We haven't seen the conversion yet, no, nope. but we're getting pretty we're close. close. That's yes. right. We're, we're creeping up on it, but there's so many details to, to put us in, in position to get there. And most importantly, Jonathan, all these details are God's overruling and preparation for everybody involved so there would never be a question as to what happened, how it happened, why it happened, when it happened. Good point. It, God made it utterly indisputable from from that point forever on. So there, there's several things that we've seen so far from the, 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 the first hour, Jonathan, four specific points. First, vision. All prayers in this drama seem focused on the higher purpose of this experience. So everybody in this particular drama was really focused on, on what this was about. No, nobody seems to be stuck in the, hey, I'm pretty special. No, no. You know, everybody is really looking at this, this vision, this, this greater thing, even though they don't understand the, the complete import They're of it. They're in yes. awe of it. Yes. And they're following it. Yes. And second is humility. Peter and Cornelius are models of acquiescence. And it's really wonderful when you see the great apostle Peter. And, and make no mistake, he was a, a great representative of Christ. He was a leader. He was. And he is just utterly humble. Cornelius, the centurion, the Roman soldier, is humble, humble. willing to bow before Peter. The third point, Rick, was courage. Peter steps out of the constraints of the law and with bold confidence in God's will. So the the courage that it took for the Apostle Peter to really step out and, and do something different was, was immense because this was the first in all of the history of Jewish law. The and, fourth point, enthusiastic expectation. Cornelius gathers those closest to him to be taught of God. Okay, so you've got those four things and Cornelius shows it how enthusiastic, how, how utterly uh, wonderful it is to be in a position he's in. And he is so excited. He brings his closest friends in with his household to meet the Apostle Peter. Yes. All right. So um, let's just do, get a little bit of background on all of this. This is from a, a, a YouTube uh, a video from Bagel's Bible Study and Brotherhood. Okay. Okay. Uh, and this is about Cornelius, the introduction, uh, a, a little bit about Cornelius, the, the individual. Cornelius was a centurion, and uh, what we can figure out from the text is that with the name Cornelius, he was an Italian, uh, soldiers usually signed up for 25 years, and if they were not citizens, they were granted citizenship. It usually took 12 to 16 years to be eligible for promotion to the rank of centurion, so he probably was around 30 years old, and likely at least 5 foot 8 in height. He also was most likely literate since he had some administrative skills and uh, he appeared to be in charge of the Italian cohort. So it gives you a little bit of a sense about the, the, the length of time. Roman soldiers signed up for 25 years. That's amazing. <laughs> that doesn't happen today. <laughs> and you don't get to be a centurion uh, for at least 12 to 15 or 16 years. Wow, you have to show your worth. Right. So he has been a Roman soldier for a long time 
is a very honorable, educated individual, and here, here he is. And, and Jonathan, we did get a, a message from the Christian Questions app. A, a, um, a we'll call her a, a caller, <laughs> a caller via text. How's that? Sounds great. Uh, Beth from Tennessee had, had uh, texted in and, and talked about the the idea that you know Cornelius would have been recognized by the Jewish nation around him as a God fearing man. Mm-hmm. He, you know, and and it's interesting because the name Christian actually comes into play in the next chapter of of Acts, chapter eleven. When, oh, okay. When, after the representation of what happens, because it gets repeated by the Apostle Peter, and we'll get to that soon, uh, and then it talks about the name Christian first begins to be used in Antioch. That's right, that's so, right. So they weren't known as Christians at this point. Oh, interesting. Okay, he would have been known as a God-fearing man, man by all of the Jews, and respected because of that. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. now he's coming to an even higher higher level. Oh, so, so Beth, thanks so much for the comment. And folks, if you would like to be a part of the program, you can call us at 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern, 6 to 8 Central, and that means we're on right now. Christian Questions, a voice of reason in a world that's lost its way. Keep in touch at ChristianQuestions.com. Or you can go to your Christian Questions app and click the little message button and uh, just follow the little prompts there and, and get your message in. We'd love to hear from you. So, so Jonathan, there's a prophecy of this very witness experience at the birth of Jesus. And, and this, to me, is remarkable because God had this in mind all along. He was just waiting for the right time. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 32. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought the child, Jesus, to do for him what was customary under the law, circumcision, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to the, your people, Israel. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. And this is the first real true revelation to the Gentiles it is. in Scripture. It, it, and, and this is a permanent revelation to the Gentiles. The door, once it's open, it's open permanently awesome. until the gospel call is, is, is through. Let's go back to uh, Tom Cummings, the TED Talk uh, he was talking about what do you do when your landscape changes. Remember, he said there's four things. That's right. The first was pause. Right. The second was connect. And, Rick, the third, this one, is reflect. Okay, let's listen. You go to the next step, which is to reflect. So if we reflect, again, we're talking about small amounts of time now. In the reflection, what's so interesting is that we have to start asking questions. So this is not reflecting in a pool or in a mirror. This is really reflecting on what's happening here. What surprises me? What stands out for me? What am I seeing? What am I observing? So the reflection is in the reflection inventory of the questions that we're asking and the way that we ask those questions. So remember, you had the pause. The Apostle Peter had to pause. He was, he was, he was working through the, the vision. Yes. And uh, then he connect. You know, he had, he, he's now connecting with all of these individuals, you know, when he gets to Cornelius' house. Sure. And then he's at Cornelius' house, and he tells them, look, really, I'm not even supposed to be here according to the law, but God told me I should be here, so here I am. Mm-hmm. 
And then he says, so why have you called me here? So now he's asking Cornelius to reflect. He's asking him to go back and, 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 and recount all of the pieces of the puzzle up to this point. So Cornelius does that. Acts chapter 10, verses 30 to 33. Cornelius said, Four days ago, to this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in shining garments. And he said, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Therefore, send a Joppa, and invite Simon, who was also called Peter, to come to you. He is staying at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So, again, you have the, the great honor and respect that, that is happening between these two men. And you, you can imagine Peter remembering the vision that he saw. And now he's recounting right. what Cornelius saw, and he sees them blend exactly. together. And, and again, the light bulb has gone off in Peter's mind several times already, Yeah, but it's, it's like it's getting brighter. Yes, absolutely. And this is like big neon flash. Like This is incredible <laughs> stuff happening. Yeah. So, so se- several observations of what uh, Cornelius, how he reflected, and, and what we see in him. Cornelius is precise in his recounting, indicating the impact this experience has had upon him. And Rick, I was thinking... He was a soldier, a centurion. When he's given orders, he has to be precise. That's his nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and soldiers are very good at, they're taught to really focus on what the facts of the matter are and what it is and why and how and so forth. Excellent. So, excellent. so he's really, really there. Next point. He stresses the urgency he felt. Okay, so he, he stresses that this is what happened and I immediately, he says, so I sent for you immediately. Next point, yeah. he acknowledges Peter's honorable response. And he says, and you have been kind enough to come. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's doing what he thinks he's supposed to, but he doesn't know what the response is going to be. And when he sees the Apostle Peter, he has nothing but, but complete honor and respect for him. And I like the next point. He doesn't ask questions. He simply positions his household to listen fully. He's just in expectation, waiting. Yeah. We are all here present. Why is everybody there? Because he brought them. Yeah. <laughs> we are, but he doesn't say, I gathered my family. No. It says, we are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. I, what a brilliant example of why Cornelius. <laughs> Absolutely. You're seeing this man who puts everything exactly in perspective and has this depth of humility that is rare. It is absolutely rare to have someone so accomplished show such great and deep humility, having been on the outside looking in all his life. Wow, amazing. It really is something. So, you know, we're, we're seeing this unfold. It really is a thrilling experience to, to, to recount it. Another Old Testament prophecy that foreshadowed this moment, Isaiah 42, verses 6 and 7. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. So, again, another prophecy talking about those that are blind, those that are... Gentiles. That's right. They're they're, they're out of the picture. They're out of favor. And they yeah, sit in darkness. Right, and they're brought into light. It's like last week, remember we were talking about weeping and gnashing of teeth? Yes. And there was the outer darkness. Mm-hmm. The Gentiles yeah. generally 
are in outer darkness. Right. Here, that outer darkness, now there is now a pathway from outer darkness to light. Neat. And Cornelius is the first individual to walk that path. What an incredible privilege. Folks, if you have a thought, we'd love to hear from you at 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern, 6 to 8 Central, and that means we're on right now. And don't forget to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. It is a free service. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. And you can also make a comment on your Christian Questions app if you'd like to participate in the program. So, to truly listen to the true gospel is a sign of a true heart. And that's exactly what Cornelius Absolutely. Had. Proverbs 9, 9 and 10. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase his learning. The reverence of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And, and Jonathan, that brings me back to one of the things you said in the first hour when you, you said sometimes, you know, in, in our search for God, we're, we're feeling kind of lost. Yes. And things are not, not in order, and you're just kind of struggling. We're struggling. You're man. trying to yeah. find Him. Mm-hmm. Reverence for God, as long as you have that real, true, deep, heartfelt, humble reverence for God, the struggle will work itself out. It may take longer than you like. It may not work itself out in the way you want. But God looks to bless those who are looking to follow his way. And again, that is exactly what Cornelius was all about. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Why Cornelius? Why a Soldier? Part 2. Coming up, now comes one of the most historic moments in all of Christian history. What would he say? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Why Cornelius? Why a Soldier? Part 2. To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866 985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL or message us on your app. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, we're finally at the moment. It took us almost two full programs to get here. But we're (laughs) finally at the moment where the visions have happened and the angel has visited and the people went to find the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Peter puts them up overnight and then he goes back and sees Cornelius and the full household of people and they're very, very, very humble toward each other and, 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 and there's this great anticipation and you know Peter had asked Cornelius, okay, why have I been sent? Right. And Cornelius responds and said, and his response ends with, you know, we're waiting to hear the word of God through you. And so now <laughs> everything is quiet. Here it is. And here comes what happens? All becomes quiet. Cornelius and his household, his friends, those six Jewish Christians who accompany Peter, all wait for the apostles' godly words. Here, now the apostle Peter, he's on. And what does he say? How does he say it? Acts ten thirty-four to 43. We're going to break it in pieces. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who reveres him and does what is right, is welcome to him. So he makes a bold statement. Wow, that's a first. Now, in a few words, he proclaims what God has shown him. And it's very different from what had been. 
you go to Amos 3.2, we're just going to diverge to Amos 3.2 for just a second here. You only have I chosen among all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. So, you only have I chosen referred to the Jewish nation. That's right. The Apostle Peter is here proclaiming, I now understand that God is, is not a God of partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears God is welcome to God. Mm-hmm. That is a powerful statement of change, a powerful paradigm shift that happened in the history of Christianity. So what it comes down to, again, remember we, we've been going back to Tom Cummings with his TED Talk about uh, what do you do when your landscape changes, and he talked about four things. Yes, he did. The first was pause, mm-hmm. the second connect, the third reflect. Now it the fourth is coming. Is reframe reframe and that's exactly what the apostle peter is doing here he's reframing what god's will is for mankind let's listen there's one more thing to do and that last thing is perhaps the most critical one for all the things that we've been talking about over the course of today because it relates very much to how we're going to deal with big crises as well as small crises and it's to reframe Literally, reframing means to step out of the frame and to see another perspective and to notice that perspective. And in reframing, which is not, again, an easy thing to do, we have to look through different lenses at the situation we're in. So reframing is not an easy thing to do. You have to step out of your previous perspective and see it differently. Peter had to go through all of those things, and it was not an easy thing to do, and that's why God was so... Uh, so relentless in his details for getting them ready for this change. And one of the things, Rick, we didn't talk much about were the six witnesses, the six Jews that came with Peter. Yes. That was so important because the witness of this experience is not just Peter himself. Right, right. And that will actually come into play in the next segment because Peter is going to be challenged about this. Ooh. And his first response is, hey, I had witnesses. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm covered. Thanks, you, God. <laughs> right. And, and that, and all of these things work together. And that's the beauty of this particular experience, is, is you're right. All of these things had to work together because this was the biggest change in the history of, of, of godliness. So, so Peter continues now by summing up the earthly ministry of Jesus, the man. Verses 36 through 39, we're in Acts chapter 10. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, He is the Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting uh, from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all the things he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. So the first thing the Apostle Peter does is he establishes that these events were personally, that the events of Jesus and his earthly ministry were personally witnessed by he. And it says we are witnesses. So I'm I'm inclined to think that some of the men with him ah good point also witnessed early on disciples the physical life of Jesus. Mm. They witnessed the physical miracles of Jesus, and they, they, they observed the, the glory of his life. And I loved how he went all the way back to John the Baptist. Yep. 
because that's when Jesus gave his life uh, in that picture. So right. that's neat. So he's establishing. So so here's the moment. And how does the Apostle Peter begin the moment? He begins the moment by going back to the beginning of the ministry of Christ. Mm-hmm. To the very beginning, like you said, but John the Baptist, where God's Spirit comes upon Jesus. And then he establishes that he did these wonderful things and we were there. That's important. It is. Because you have that actual witness uh, that, that carries great weight. You know, it's not speculation. This is not something you heard about. This is not something your grandmother told you. You were there. So th- that, that's, that's the, huge. It is. It is. And again, you have all of these witnesses to be here for this great event as well. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. And that means we're on right now. Uh, from the dark ages and into the light of today, join us 24-7 at ChristianQuestions.com. And if you'd like to message us, you can certainly do so uh, on your Christian Questions app, which is, look, if you don't have the, if you don't have the Christian Questions app for your smartphone, then your smartphone is not as smart as it could be. <laughs> so make that smartphone wiser, get that Christian Questions app, and while you're at it, sign up for Seek Rewind, the full edition. And while you're at it, that's another free service. Yes, it is. And while you're at it, let us know what you think. We'd love to hear your comments, your thoughts, uh, because they really help us to get better. So, Jonathan, you've got the Apostle Peter laying out, okay, we were the witnesses, we were eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ and his great work. He continues, verse 40. And they just talked about how he um, died on the cross. Yes. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all the people, but to witnesses who have been chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. So, okay, so Jesus was crucified. He was raised up from the dead. We know this because... We saw him. We, he talked with us. Right. We were there. We were witnesses. And again, wow. the personal interaction is such a critical part of this because you have the Apostle Peter and these others who were, a, were, were in, in line to understand Jesus through his own physical life and words and now to understand the conversion of the first Gentile Christian physically there. The same people. And uh, an interesting point, he wasn't a perfect human man before the death. He's now a spirit being that they spoke to and saw. Right. Huge difference. So they saw both parts uh, of Jesus. They saw Jesus the man and then Jesus the spirit. Yes. Okay, so you you have both of those coming into play. And, And the Apostle Peter is recounting, this is how the this witness opportunity to these Gentiles is going. He is going back to everything that's important. And, you know, it's not about the Apostle Peter. No, it's not. It's all about Jesus, and it's all about the privilege of being there and taking the responsibility of being there and applying it to his present momentary experience, which was very, very, very dramatic. So let's continue picking up with verses 42 and 43 of Acts chapter 10. And he, Jesus, ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. So now it's you've got the physical life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, the raising of Jesus from the dead, having been witness to all this. And now it says, and he ordered 
us to preach to the people. So again, it comes down to we've been given responsibility. We had the responsibility to witness Jesus as the man, Jesus as the spirit being, and now we have the responsibility to witness to Jesus. So it's about the personal responsibility and fulfilling what you've been given to do. So, so Peter confirms their responsibility to represent Jesus as judge, forgiver of sins, and the promised seed. So the words that everyone waited for firmly established that Jesus as Messiah and Lord was being revealed to them through Peter and his brethren. They must have been so amazed right. at hearing this amazing discourse. Because very few were there for the whole experience. Peter was one of those very few. He was. And here he is in front of them oh, as Gentiles. Awesome. Yeah, it is. It, 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 it sends chills up your spine. So, so you know, they're seeing Jesus revealed to them through Peter and, and his brethren. And, and Cornelius and his brethren were invited to be part of that same representation of Christ. That's what's happening. They're invited to do what the Apostle Peter does. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Never before in history had this happen. So you get this sense of the the magnitude of this conversion. This is not just simply saying, okay, yes, I believe in Jesus. No, it's not. This is a transferring of responsibility to what believing in Jesus means. Believing in Jesus is not some kind of emotional response that makes you feel good. It is a dramatic changing of the way you live and what's important and what you must do. A dedication to. And Peter is saying to them, I am bringing you now with me because I've been there. I am here. You're here. You're just like me. (laughs) That's really what it's coming down to. So so now we're going to have the finale of the experience. The evidence of God's favor overflows out onto the Gentiles. What happens? Acts chapter 10, verses 44 to 48. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. So they heard them do something that only started at Pentecost. Wow. And who were the first ones to do it? Peter. <laughs> but, you know, the interesting thing is, uh, you know, they're, they're in that it's showing that they were given God's spirit. Yes. It's an outward evidence. But the interesting thing is about the speaking in tongues is they understood what they were saying. Because it says they heard them speaking with tongues and exalting God. How did they know they were exalting God? Because they understood. They understood the words they were saying. So they were probably these 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 Romans were probably speaking, this is my guess, they were speaking Aramaic, perhaps. Yeah. A Jewish language. Exactly. So these six witnesses and Peter understood it in languages that they were familiar right. with. Not the common tongue, but their own, perhaps their own Jewish or Aramaic language. So Interesting. It, that's thrilling. It's, it's thrilling is. to see. So, so y- you see this happening, and then Peter doesn't stop there. He reacts to that because it, it's very appropriate to do so. What does he say? Then Peter answered, Surely... No one can refuse the water for these to be baptized, to have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? He And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. So you have the, the final part of the experience, and the Apostle Peter does not hesitate. He sees what's happened, uh, and he's put it all together. And like you said, when, when he was listening to Cornelius explain 
what had happened from his perspective. Yeah. He's thinking about, like you said, his own experience, the vision, the vision. and he's and he's thinking about how God's Spirit communicated to him that the men were coming and to go with them without hesitation. Yeah. And so, and he's put this all together, and he's seeing this grand picture. And the speaking in tongues is the final is is the final uh, piece of the puzzle. It says this is unmistakably, undeniably, something we need to not only be willing to accept, but something we need to fully embrace with every bit of us. These guys got to be baptized right now. <laughs> the power and influence of yeah. God was given to these Gentiles, proof that they were children of God. So great faith in God and great patience towards God are rewarded with great favor from God. Cornelius and his household had great faith in God, and they had great patience toward God because they, they, were, they, they had faith without reward. Yes. They had faith without, re, with, without results. But now they had a result that was beyond any of their thoughts or expectations. This was a real, real dramatic picture to show us, you know what? Life is now going to be different. 2 Timothy 2.19 Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. And obviously, Cornelius and his household are gods. Were gods. Obviously, and they were brought together with the Apostle Peter to make this statement that would last throughout the history of the age of the teaching of the gospel. That now Gentiles are now welcome to be a part of of the call to follow Jesus. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Why Cornelius? Why a Soldier? Part 2. Coming up, So a New Era Begins. How is it received by the rest of the Jewish Christian community? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Why Cornelius? Why a Soldier? Part 2. To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. Or message us on your app. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. That's Eastern. We're on 6 to 8 Central, and our website is ChristianQuestions.com. And go to our website and become a Twitter follower to learn about upcoming programs and new updates posted. Our website has over 500 archived programs. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. And, yeah, a lot, lot going on on that website. And, folks, there's certainly ways for you to uh, let us know what you think. And, uh, you know, if you have comments or, 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 or feedback, we'd love to hear from you there. You can also send us feedback. You can email me at rick at christianquestions.net and um, give us personal personal input. We really do appreciate that. So, so Jonathan, what do we have? We This great experience, you know, is, is the, the changes, the, the fabric of Christianity. And, Rick, it's a new era right now that's right it really is and we're going to get to 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 that in a second but let's list off let's lift list off the things that we saw in the first hour there are four points vision humility courage enthusiastic expectation and now from the meeting of the apostle peter and cornelius and the ensuing discussion and the ensuing uh baptism what are the next points mutual respect neither peter or cornelius via to claim any position they both simply want truth. No, nobody's stepping on the other's toes saying, I've got authority here. 
it, it's such a beautiful character trait yeah. that humility one to another. What else? Thankful uh, recipient receipt uh, of God's receipt of God's direction. Both recognize God's clear direction and follow. So it's about God's direction. It's not about what I think. What's the next one? Prophecy fulfilled. Peter is privileged to open a door that God has long ago foretold. So there's prophecy. He's in place, and he and he not only opens it as Peter, he barges right through it yeah. because he's supposed to. Absolutely. The next point, miraculous confirmation. The pouring out of God's Spirit left no doubt. And there was really no doubt at that point. And finally? Expanded brotherhood. The Gentiles are baptized into Christ. So you'd think that you've got this great, great opportunity. Now the Gentiles can become Christians. You'd think that, like you said, this is a new era. Yes. Well, the problem was that the Jewish Christians thought this might be a new era, <laughs> not a new era. What? You've been drinking, Peter? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> What's but let's, going on let's, here? let's look at the next chapter of Acts, because this helps us to understand what the immediate knee-jerk reaction was of those uh, the, the Jewish Christians. Acts chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 18, we're going to break it in pieces. Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God, and when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? So, they're saying, What are you doing? <laughs> So they, they, they thought. But this, this is Peter, don't forget. Right. This is the apostle Respected, Peter. Respected. Right. Trusted. Right. And they're, and they're taking issue with him. They are. Because the, the, the law is so strong in their heads, they don't understand that they're supposed to get, get beyond it. No. So they, they, need to be, they need to be shown how to get through uh, the experience. So let's just for a moment go back to Tom Cummings and the, the TED, uh, TED Talk on what to do when your landscape changes. So we've got to find these different ways that we can step up and step in. Because there is no way back once we get into that moment of truth. I have a little sign on my desk. It's been there for about 15 years actually if I'm honest. And it says, the only way out is always through. And I think, Jonathan, that is very significant here. The only way out is, is, is always through. The Jewish Christians had to go through this experience. They couldn't argue with it. Mm. Now, the Apostle Peter is about to tell them that. And what they needed to do was put those four points in, in, in place. When they were coming after Peter, like, you know, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. They needed to pause, connect reflect and reframe. The apostle helps them to do that by what he describes to them. So they put Peter uh, 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 on the spot. Yes, they did. And now Peter has to respond. Peter is used to responding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what does he say? We're in Acts chapter 11 now, verses 4 through 9. We're going to skip a few verses. But Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in orderly sequence, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and a trance I saw a vision. An object coming down like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. But a voice from heaven answered a second time, What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. So we skip some of the verses. He, he describes the vision. He describes how it's three times. But the point is, 
He said, okay, let me explain to you what happened. Let me start at the beginning. Let me tell you what happened to me personally about this vision and how it happened three times. And the fact that it happened three times is, 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 a, is, a, is an evidence of God's uh, purpose in, in the matter. That's right. It's a complete experience three times. So there is a clear but puzzling message from heaven. That's how Peter starts to describe this, saying, I received a clear, it was puzzling, but a clear message from heaven. That's the first point he makes with them. Okay, so now remember, you've got a skeptical Jewish Christian audience mm-hmm. listening, scratching their heads. Like, yeah, well, what? you know, and, and in my mind, with my imagination, I think they're standing there with their arms folded, okay, and looking at them, you know, their, head, their heads tilted a little bit, like, "Are you going to tell us what here?" <laughs> I mean, explain yourself. Mm. And so, the the thing is, he doesn't have to explain himself; he simply has to explain the will of God, and he goes about to do that by not saying. He, he doesn't say to them, you know, what are you questioning me for? I'm the Apostle Peter. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He simply says, let me explain in great detail. And he starts with the vision. He starts with everything concisely to be presented to them. So now they've got the, he's, he's got a message from heaven. And Peter continues, verses 11 to 13. And again, we're going to skip around a little bit. And behold, at that moment, three men appeared at the house in which we're saying, having been sent to me from Caesarea, the Spirit told me to go with them without misgiving. These six brethren also went with me, and we entered the man's house. And he reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house. Okay, so now you you have Peter progressing in the story, saying, well, I was working on and thinking about this thing. Three men appeared, and they... Um, from from Caesarea, from from Cornelius's home, and I was instructed. It, it he doesn't say I decided to no, go. No, he doesn't. <laughs> I was instructed by God's power, by His influence working in my life. Go with them without misgiving, without even worrying about it. So you know what you said to me about going and eating with uh, with mm-hmm. those who are unclean. Guess who told me? You're right. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like a little kid saying, Mom said I could. <laughs> you know, this is what Dad said. So, yeah. you know, it really gives you that sense of, of that higher, higher authority. And I like the other ingredient. And these six guys standing next to me, yeah. they went with me too. Right, right. And we entered the man's house yeah. and reported how um, he, and he reported how he had seen an angel of God. So you see, he's piling on the proof. Because God had arranged all of these proofs. So now we have a still uh, puzzling direction from God's Spirit. So we had first a message from heaven. And now we have direction from God's Spirit. So Mm -hmm. we've got a message and now we've got direction. And that can bring us now to some kind of a conclusion. And that is picked up in verses uh, 15 through 17 of Acts chapter 11. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how we used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? So so what you have is you have individuals who just simply don't understand. And, you know, when something changes and something's different, those of us who don't understand, we will typically react the way the Jewish Christians reacted. Mm. You fold your arms and you yeah. say, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Who do you think you are? You know, hello, is anybody home? That, that kind of a thing. 
and so so the apostle Peter doesn't get rattled by all of this because he has this amazing amount of proof uh, and credibility behind the experience. And I'm sure he was calm in his presentation. Of course, but can you imagine the crowded room of these people, these Jewish Christians, grumbling and and staring yeah. and and. What's he doing? Because it just makes no sense to them. And it logically wouldn't make sense to them. I mean, why would it make sense? Because all that they ever knew was that you are my only... Amos 3.2 scripture that we're talking about. You you only am I known of all the nations of the earth. That's right. That's what they knew. That's what the law was. That's what generations, that's what thousands of years had proven. So why would it be different? And the answer is because it was time for it to be different. Who decided? God did. He just needed to use the right individuals to make that decision a reality. The Apostle Peter and Cornelius were the right individuals to make that decision a reality. So now what you have is a clear, what, what the Apostle Peter just said. He says, you know, talking about being baptized with the water and the Holy Spirit. Yep. He says, remember when Jesus said that? Well, guess what happened here? <laughs> okay. God gave them the same gift that he gave to us. Then how could I stand in God's way? So now you have a crystal clear conclusion from the entire experience that God had provided. So Peter starts to explain himself, and again, he's not explaining himself, he's, he's explaining God's will, by showing a message from heaven. Then he goes to direction from God's spirit. And now he goes for, to a conclusion from the entire experience that God had provided. So he very sequentially proves to them that you've got nothing to worry about and, and, and again, in my imagination, I'm thinking, Peter's thinking to himself, look, I understand why you're upset. Believe me, when I got that vision, it was like, wait a minute, no, Lord, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and, you know, it, it shows that they were trying to be faithful to what they knew to be it true. It does. It really does. So they're not being, they're not just giving them a hard time. They're concerned. Yep. Yep. They're concerned that something's out of whack. And what the apostle is telling them is, no, this is the new reality because God said so. That's the beauty of this. So, so... What happens? Verse, uh, verse 18. When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. So this is a great start for what would be proved to be a very rocky path. Very, very rocky path. I like how it said they quieted down. They, it must have been noisy while Peter was trying to present this. <laughs> they must have been grumbling out loud. Well, and then they stopped. Well, and again, they what? had a justification because all they knew was based on the law and based on history. That's all they knew before that. So the, the reason for them to, to, um, uh, to, to, to challenge was legitimate. But the reason for them to accept was more legitimate. There you go. Because I agree. it was a new era of an opportunity given to Gentiles now to become Christians. So, so Jonathan, we only have like a couple minutes here. So, you know, why a Roman centurion? What is there about uh, Fred? You know what? Let's do this last, last soundbite real quick. This is from Bagel's Bible study about Roman centurions. Polybius, who's a historian, wrote in history that centurions are required not to be bold and adventuresome so much as to be good leaders of steady and prudent mind, not prone to take offensive. Offense or to start fighting wantonly, but able when overwhelmed and hard pressed to stand fast and to die at their post. 
So it gives you a sense of the character that was required of a centurion. Mm. So, so this man had the discipline of a soldier, Cornelius now, the track record of responsible behavior. He was educated and he had a mighty heart for God. Such a man of pagan background being called to be the first Christ, non-Jewish follower of Christ surely shows us the magnitudes of God's love and mercy toward all. I mean, if you can call a Roman soldier to follow Christ, you can call pretty much anybody who's, mm-hmm. who's got the right heart. Ro- right. Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these? If God is for us, who is against us? So that's the real bottom line uh, message of this story this dramatic and inspirational story of the first Gentile convert, Cornelius. He was a leader among men. He was a leader in, in, in the Roman army. He was a humble, dedicated man to God long before he came to Christianity. What faith he had. He brought his household with him to Christianity. And his friends. <laughs> and that shows you the depth of his faith before Christianity came across his path. It was a wonderful experience. And the Apostle Peter rising to this occasion was it was such a drama for him to be able to stand up, realize the difficulty that was going to be ensuing. Because you know what? Much of the New Testament afterwards is written about the trouble between Jewish and Gentile Christians. It was. Because it was so different. But the change was made. It was God sanctioned. It was God approved. And it was God blessed. Folks, we hope you enjoyed being with us uh, this morning with this incredible story of Cornelius, an incredible story of the Apostle Peter accepting and embracing the change that God had given to him. How should we embrace the change that God gives to us? For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we'll be back again next week with another subject. But till then, why Cornelius? Why a soldier? Many reasons. All completely inspirational. Till next week, think about it.